James, how are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks, Andrew. How are you? Good, good. And just waiting for Anthony to come in there. I think he's here now. Anthony, are you there? Yes, I can hear you. How are you going? Very good, very good. You? Very, very good. Thanks. Thanks for having me again, Andrew. No problem. Well, this is uh, it's a bit of a surprise, but it's um, I think it's the episode that we've all been looking forward to doing the most since uh, since Sunday since Sunday evening. Um, obviously, Inter have made it; they're in the Champions League. Uh, how did you how did you live the match, James? Well, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch it live as I was working, so I had to wait till I came home and watched the replay. And I think my nerves were shot to bits watching it. And by that time, there was no Europa, and I didn't have a beer, which I could have done with, because the game was just an emotional roller coaster. I mean, like that start with that free going goal that Lazio got, and I don't know what it is with that stadium. So we've seen in the Champions League, Roma got one off James Milner's face, and and then we managed to make it one all and. Just two one before half time, Lazio went ahead, and I'm thinking, ah, this is not going to happen for Inter. It's just not going to happen at all. And then with the drama of the penalty that we got given and got taken away, and and eventually we got one. But as soon as um, that Lulic, the Lulic sending off happened, I felt like we were going to get it. And then like we scored with I think about ten minutes to go, and I think that was the longest ten minutes of my life. It was it was very hard to take. <laughs> But we got there in the end and it was just pure jubilation and ecstasy. And even though it was in three o'clock in the morning here in Ireland, it was by the time I had watched it, I was had to do my best not to scream the house down to make everyone. So I'm very, very happy with it. How was your experience yeah. of watching it? Uh, it was brilliant. I, I, it was everything that uh, that the song Patsa did, um the, the song Patsa Inter is about crazy into just the fact that they never ever do anything the the easy way. Um, they always make it as difficult as possible for themselves. Uh, I just the heart to still go on and win the match, being two one down um, and completely out of it. I just think the heart that was shown was the most significant aspect of the performance. What did you think about it, Anthony? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Hey, James. Uh... It was it was great, fantastic. But the the biggest word I'd use to describe it was just relief. I think because so many times this season Inter has uh, failed to collect points in the in the dying moments of the match, letting in late goals, it was always built up to be one of those dramatic finishes. Of course, I was most impressed with the fact that we were able to come back uh, from behind twice. I think after conceding once, I still had a lot, a lot of faith that we'd come back. But after conceding the two one to Felipe Anderson just before half time, I had to admit I was I was pretty pretty down at that point. I thought that was pretty much it for us. But Pazzi Inter indeed that that three and a half minutes uh, in between the the right challenge, which I'm sure we'll speak about a lot, uh, the the uh, red card and then the penalty and then the turnaround with Vecino, it all just went so crazy for me. And to be honest, the the best thing for me was in those dying few two and three minutes we did not look like conceding. Even with 10 men, I still expected to just receive cross after cross after cross and expect to defend, defend, or expect to make mistake after mistake. But they did not look like once that we were going to concede in those dying moments. And that for me was amazing. And even when we won, it was more just relief. I didn't run around celebrating. I was just so 
relieved and happy. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to start with the De Vrij challenge uh, because I think it's the biggest talking point from the match. In my, we were talking about this last week, Anthony, um, that Inzaghi was probably putting him in an impossible position if he did uh, play him and that it was almost written in the stars that something like that was going to happen. The, I, I personally don't think that um, that it was that it was deliberate. I know a lot of uh, Laziali will disagree with me, vehemently disagree with me on that. Um, but he put in a really good performance through the match. If he really wanted to sort of assist into his new club, um, or it will be his new club next season, I don't think he would have put in a performance like that. He also looked destroyed. Um, when he conceded the uh, when he conceded the penalty, um, and a really key indicator for me is when he conceded the penalty because when he conceded the penalty, it was only to potentially make it two two, which would have um, which would have left Inter sitting outside the Champions League. Inter that still then had to go on and win. Um, he couldn't have known, nobody could have known that Inter were going to go and get the third goal. Um, so it just, to me, yeah, everybody will scream he's done it deliberately so that he can go and play the Champions League next year. Um, but it just, just, just the, the fact that it was 2-2 late, late on, um, you'd still have expected Lazio to go on and qualify. Um, I'm just not convinced that it was sort of dirty tactics. I don't know. What what did you think of it, Anthony? No, I've looked at the challenge a fair few times and I don't think there was anything intentional about it. Whether or not there was something subconscious or there for De Vrij, we'll never know. But I don't think there was anything there, to be honest. I thought it was a legitimate kind of challenge. He couldn't have known that Icardi was going to fake like that. But, you know, the rest they'll say is history. I just hope that uh, he didn't have to walk into too much of an awkward locker room at the end of the match. And his reactions after the match said it all. He really did look destroyed. And I think he was a fantastic performer throughout the match for them, just like he has been for them all season. He seems like a very professional athlete. So I'm very happy to have him here next season. But... You know, once again, it's just it's just crazy how it all happened, really, and it just seemed like it was all scripted. Yeah, what did you think, James? Did, um, would you be in agreement, or did you think that there was the was the potential for underhandedness there? No, I think I'd, I'd have to agree with both years on it. I mean, like he genuinely went for the ball. I think he was just a little bit late, and Icardi was just a bit too clever for him. And like Bo, you said, he he was absolutely distraught, especially when he was taken off. I mean. Like if if that wasn't a genuine feeling, then I think Hollywood needs to sign him up because he's a very good actor as well. Because the guy looked like genuinely distraught. So, and I know, especially with it being Italy, and I think it almost worked out exactly like you had said last week, Andrew. If he slipped and a card, he scored. But I mean, I, I think it was very genuine, and yeah, he played his heart out and he gave all for Lazio, and I think he was devastated that he couldn't couldn't get his team over the line, but. I mean, he does benefit from it now because he's coming to Inter, but I think, I think he was um, a genuine genuine um, mistake that he made. Yeah. I think as well, after after playing 38 games, the amount of personal investment, 
you'd have yourself in genuinely wanting to achieve that place in the Champions League, even if you don't go on to play it yourself. Um, I think it's very difficult to switch off after months and months and months of hard work and effort um, to put yourself in that position where you can actually say, I achieved it on the field. Um, in terms of the performances, I can't believe I'm going to talk and going to say it about him again um, because I, I really, I the last match I went to was when Inter played Napoli at home this season, and I was talking to a couple of guys walking to the stadium about the midfield that had been chosen because um, I heard them talking about it. They'd seen it on their phones and they said Gallardini and um, Brozovic were playing. I said I said to them, "Oh, not Brozovic, not again." And they said, hey, it's not like it's not like Gagliardini's playing particularly well. And they said, no, but Gagliardini is a good player. Um, it's just that at the moment, mentally, he's not sharp. Um, Brozovic is just horrendous. Um, and he said that one one story that I picked up on in the pre, in a couple of weeks previous to that was how true it is. I don't know, but the Brozovic um, has declared in the past anyway, declared that the only time he will um, engage himself in learning Italian is when he finds a female teacher to teach it to him. Um, <laughs> the two lads couldn't believe, almost couldn't believe it, but because it was about Brozovic, they, be- they-, they believed it. I mean, I believe it too. Uh, I think I heard it on another podcast or on an Italian radio station or something. Um, but ever since he played that match and he was really good in that <laughs> really, really performed superbly well. He's been the sort of beaten heart of the team. And I think that's true again against Lazio. Um, without him, people talk about, okay, Gagliardini was missing um, the the input that he could have had. But to me, Brozovic is a fundamental player for Inter now. And if he's got that confidence and he obviously believes that Spalletti believes in him and with Spalletti about to sign a contract until a contract extension until 21. Um, to me now, Brozovic is the fundamental player to keep. There's all the talk about the plus Valencias and so on and the money that we need to make um, in terms of the financial fair play. The, but to me, he's been so fundamental in the last couple of months that it would just be stupid to sell him, even though the price that we paid for him those years ago has been um, sort of cancelled out now, and he would be an entire plus Valenza. I just go and see how how can you how can you sell the how can you sell sort of the beaten heart of your team and expect to still make progress? Um, what do you think of that, James? Yeah, I think I'd have to echo on a lot of what you said there. I mean, in the last couple of months, he has been inter. His, his attitude as well I mean certain games players heads have dropped but his never did he's he's pretty much been the leader of the side and I know Icardi's the captain but for me Brozovic has been playing as if he's the captain he's driving the team forward he's talking he's commanding everyone around him and he's been absolutely vital in pretty much all the big games lately so I can't if he hadn't if his form wasn't so good I don't think Inter would have made the Champions League so to sell him I mean Unless you're, you're bringing someone in that you guaranteed is going to do as good, you can't sell them and you can't guarantee transfers. 
like some players work out, some don't. So when you have a player in your team that is like fitting in and doing as good as he is, I mean, you can't sell him regard unless someone comes in with a ridiculous hundred million euro bid or something like that. And I can't see anyone bidding that much for him, and he's he's too vital to the team. For me personally, I think he's more vital to the team than Icardi is. Um, what do you think of it, Anthony? No, he's been fantastic uh, since the speculation of him leaving. But all season, he had really good form for me. And I think lately that the passion that he's shown, I just echo what you've said, there'd be absolutely no point in letting him go. He's a fundamental part of our team now. He's He'll be in, in the starting 11 next season on every game for Spalletti. I think all the fans will agree that he's a very integral role. And considering it's a position that we figured we might have needed to strengthen in January, now we know that he's a fundamental part of it. We can focus on redeeming our more important transfers and focusing on maybe spending some of that money elsewhere. And, you know, what you just said before, James, having having to get a new player in in that position could cost anywhere of 50 to even 100 million. Why would you even do that when Brozovic is already there? So I've always liked Brozovic and I'm more than happy to see him return to form and become one of the fundamental players in our squad because he's got a great attitude, a leadership attitude. He's not afraid to speak up. When the going gets tough, he gets going. So happy to keep him on board. And who would be... Brozovic would be my man of the match. Uh, Anthony, who would you have selected? Yeah, I would have selected Brozovic as well. And James? Oh, and maybe Miranda. Miranda, yeah, and James. Um, yeah, for me, it would have been Brozovic as well, but I'll, I have to say I was very impressed with D'Ambrosio this week. I mean, he looked very, very solid. He was he was right up there with Brozovic for me. Yeah, I think we were talking about that last week, uh, Anthony, that D'Ambrosio is probably not the, le- the fullback you want um, to lead you to the Scudetto, but there are worse fullbacks um there are worse fullbacks out there than D'Ambrosio. Um, and that's probably a position where you can almost wait to invest rather than um, rather than going all out to to spend. Uh, who would you whose performance were you most disappointed in, James? Um well I'd have to say Rafinha's like he wasn't as good as he had been in recent weeks, but in fairness to him, I think Lazio have played him out of the game. I mean, every time he got the ball, there was two or three around him. Um, but I was just disappointed because I really thought that he was the one that was going to like um, make this game work for Inter. I thought he'd be the one involved in everything. Um, and he just wasn't as good as he has been in previous weeks. So, I mean, he wasn't our worst performer on the night. It's just from where I expect, how I expected him to play to how he played. It was a little bit disappointing, but he's still a great player. And Anthony? Yeah, I'd have to say Rafinha as well, but just like James said, he was man-marked out of the game and that forced us to try and use our other options. And to be fair, there was nobody else I was really, really disappointed in. Like, I thought the first half we didn't play that well and I would have said that Vecino didn't contribute very well and he looked a little static and at times a little lost in midfield. But in the second half, when we turned up the tempo, he actually looked quite good and there's absolutely no way I'd, I'd... I diss him now after that kind of header at the end there to put us in. Um, so I'd have to say Rafinha as well. But as James said, he's still a great player and he, he really should be the top priority in terms of redeeming him for next season nice and quickly. Yeah, um, I don't think I need to say who I'm going to pick. Uh, I think everybody who listens and I certainly think you two would know 
Um, to me, the fact that Hamdanovic, I'm not saying that he has to save particularly the first one because <clears throat> there is obviously a vicious deflection. But the fact that he doesn't even dive uh, speaks volumes to me. I just don't think the man is engaged. <clears throat> I don't think it matters. It just does, it gives an impression that it doesn't matter. And then when he goes and does the same thing again on the second one, um, he just doesn't throw himself for it. It's just to me, it's so it's so lazy. Um, he, he, and people will say, well, he's so big. He his his reflexes, for example, aren't and can't be as good as Julio Cesar's. Um, but that said. Uh, he has an incredibly good record in terms of saving penalties, which suggests that his reflexes are very sharp. Also, Buffon is a huge guy, and I've never seen any problem with his reflexes. Um, I just, I just don't think it sends a good vibe, particularly when he's one of your most experienced players, when he's one of the players that's been at Inter the longest. Um, it just doesn't send a good vibe throughout the rest of the team, that, look, our goalkeeper isn't even prepared to dive, to save a shot. As I said, I don't, uh, I don't blame him entirely for the first goal. I think it's, the, it's just the impression that not diving, um, that not diving gives. And it's very hard to lift a team if you've got that sensation of your goalkeeper not really trying. But hey... You know, he is a very kind of Marmite type of player. Um, he seems to be that you either, lo either love him or you hate him. I'm on, obviously, the negative side of that. Anthony, I know that your attitude towards him is more positive, so maybe you could come in there with your view of the two goals that we conceded. Look, I think Handanovic saved us a lot of points in these dark last, what, five or six seasons or whatever it's been. <laughs> so many games I've watched, I've just seen him pull off miraculous saves that have not only won us matches or have just saved us points in general. So maybe I do have a bit of a soft spot for him. But look, the fact of the, fat, the, fact of the matter is he is 33 years old and, you know, goalkeepers can go obviously a little bit longer than outfield players, but he is 33 years old. So... As much as an advocate I have been for him and I am for him, I would not be against the idea of looking to invest some of um, our money into a new goalkeeper. Um, I'm not too sure who we could be linked with. Maybe you guys could comment on one of that. But to be honest, the goals that Handanovic conceded over the weekend, I'll just comment with the Felipe Luis goal. I really thought he could have made a dive for it. I was watching it and as it went in, I just thought, wow, he really could have at least moved his foot a little, feet a little bit or at least made some sort of attempt. Even with the Perisic header and the deflection, he was just very, very late to react, just late to turn his head. It just seems like when we've needed him the most in the back half of this season, he's shown traits against what I've advocated for him for so long and what I'm sure many fans have loved him for for so long. But maybe it is part of a certain decline in his form. And if that's the case, then, as I said before, I wouldn't be in invest wouldn't be against investing in a new goalkeeper in the not too distant future. What do you yeah. guys think? I mean, obviously, obviously, Buffon is available on a free transfer. Um, I don't. James, you're probably more more in the in the neutral position on on Handanovic. Um, so, 
just for just for the sake of balance, what was your view? Um, yeah, the last few weeks I've been kind of critical of him, but I didn't think he could have done much about both goals on the weekend. I mean, he did react slow, but I don't think many keepers would have saved either of those. Like the first one was a freak goal off Perisic's face. Like it's hard to predict where the ball's going to go. And then that second one, it was a clinical fi- finish, and he was running at speed, and he never once looked at the goals. Like it was, it was a no look shot. He just knew where the goals were, and that, that's very hard for goalkeepers to react to when the striker doesn't give any indication that he's going to shoot. I mean, and the ball's pretty much past him before he even noticed that. I think most keepers in that position, they might have made an attempt to dive, but I don't think there's many keepers in the world who would have saved that shot. But I think going forward into next season, and especially in the Champions League, I think we do need another keeper in, someone younger, because I think, as Anthony was saying, I think um, Handanovic is on the decline a little. Yeah. I mean, I know that they're already projecting um, for the future. I the name his name escapes me. There's a Ukrainian goalkeeper. Um, he's only about nineteen or twenty years of age, and half of Europe is uh, is apparently out to to get him. Um, do either of you recall his name? No, I can't. <laughs> no, not at all. So there's been a lot there's been a lot in uh, Gazetta the last couple of weeks about him that he's uh, half of your half of Europe the name will probably come to me when I finish the show but um the he's half of Europe is after him he's about 19 or 20 years of age um he Did doesn't he play, play for Zoya? For, sorry does he play for Zoya he does yeah it's yeah. Andre Andre Lonen yeah Yes, that's him exactly. Um, uh, I remember Leicester City. I remember Leicester City was the only club I saw linked with him. Right. Now he um, Gazetta is saying that a lot of the big clubs um, are around Europe are after him, but that Inter are, um, are the most convincing for him because they're looking at a long-term solution to replace an aging Kandanovic that he's going to come in and that he's going to go on loan to Bologna for two seasons, and then he's going to come in and make the position his uh, his own. Um, so I think that's the route that uh, Inter are going down. Obviously, you have Perrin, but I think uh, Juventus are well down the line in terms of securing uh, him as their replacement for, for Buffon. Uh, so I think if we move on and we just look at the, the newspapers, um, Gazzetta de la Sport, Inter screen, we are in the Champions League, best player Matthias Fustino, 7.5, worst player Rafinha, 5. Uh, Corriella de la Sport, Inter change history, best player Brozovic, 7.5, worst players Cancelo, 5.5, Condreva, 5.5. Tudor Sport, crazy Inter, best players D'Ambrosio, Vecino, Brozovic, 7. Worst players, Candreva, Rafinha, five. Uh, Milan's version of the Metro, Mythical, and Rome's version of the Metro. Incredible. Now, obviously, it's the it's the end of the it's the end of the season. What's been the most memorable parts of it for you, Anthony? Oh, for me, the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is the three-two derby win over Milan. I remember just watching it before. 
going to school in the morning to teach. And just remember seeing Milan tying it up at 2-2 after we were leading 2-1. I was so sure we were going to win that derby. And when they equalised, I was just so devastated because at that point we were really on a high that season and that would have really capped it off for me, that derby win. And when D'Ambrosio went down for that penalty and Icardi put it home, that was absolute elation for me. Now, as I said before, the feeling was more relief when we qualified for the Champions League this week. So I'm not going to say this week because there was tons and tons of anxiety that was built up to this weekend. So for me, the best memory that comes to mind for me is the 3-2 derby win over Milan. What about you guys? Yeah, James, what's your memory of the season? Um, Yeah, it probably have to be as well, the derby win. But I suppose because it's so recent, I mean, the highlight of the season has to be, for me, on Sunday when we made the Champions League when that final whistle went. I mean, because the season had promised so much early on and then had completely looked like we were going to finish sixth or seventh and we somehow managed to find the mental strength to actually get to the Champions League. So I think the moment for me of the season was Sunday. It was the happiest I felt all season and a little bit of relief as well. Um, to me, um, one thing that really sticks in mind is that first match against Sampdoria this season, certainly the first hour where you it was probably the most convincing Inter had been um, for, a, for at least the last couple of years. Anyway, the, the performance was excellent. Um, it did drop off, but then when you have a good lead against the team, it is easy to to switch off for the for the remainder of the match. Um, it just showed that these players can actually play. The another thing was the first matches against uh, Napoli and Juventus, which really sort of showed the grit and determination that was in the team. And then also something that I haven't seen um, for the last few years was <clears throat> the fact that. It took them a long time, sort of from was it middle of December onwards, um, to pick themselves up. But they f- did eventually pick themselves up and start to perform. And really, over the last uh, couple of months, the the, the score lines at the end of matches has uh, has lied a little bit. I mean, we definitely were good for the draw against Juventus. Um, I think we should have beaten Torino. I think we should have beaten Milan. Uh, and the fact that after Juventus, we were able to pick ourselves up against Udinese and the fact that against after the terrible result against Sassuolo and being 2-1 down late on against Lazio, um, you, the fact that the, they were able to pick themselves up and still keep going um, to get themselves finally into the Champions League. I think you can't undervalue Spalletti's, uh, Spalletti's input on that. Um, to me, it, it's been fundamental and the side has made huge strides forward. One area um, I think the, the, the team is going to be ben- is going to reap benefit uh, la- next year is after the International Champions Cup um, tournament last summer, which was played in China in swelteringly hot conditions, and Spalletti and a lot of these, uh, a lot of the players complained about how hot and humid it was. And let's remember that Spalletti is, you know, he's in, he's uh, 
he's an Italian. He he's not um he's he's not one of the blue people from Ireland or Wales like yourself and myself, James. Yeah. Um he you know, he's used he's used to hot hot temperatures. Um same with likes that the likes of D'Ambrosio and a lot of a lot of the players have been in Italy for a long time. They'd be in, they'd be accustomed um they'd be accustomed to the hot weather. I mean Anthony, you'd be more used to that living in Australia. Um but for them to go to China, had it been I don't know, Manchester United or Celtic or somebody going to China and complaining about the heat, you could say, well, fair enough, they're coming from a relatively cool country. Um, but with Italians going there, the, the, it must have been, it must, the heat must have been quite, you know, very intense. Um, the International Champions Cup, uh, Spalletti said after it last year that under no circumstances was he playing it um, this summer if uh, if the club wanted to go to China or America or whatever um, because of the conditions. So they're actually playing their matches in Europe this year. Uh, the 1st of August, Chelsea in Gothenburg. 7th of August, Sevilla in Lecce. 12th of August, Atletico Madrid in Madrid. Um, I mean, Madrid and Lecce are going to be hot, but then they're going to be a heat that you would imagine people living in Italy are used to. Also, you don't have the massive travelling involved. And I just think it'll help to make them sharper at the start of next season. And it'll probably pay throughout the rest of the season because tiredness, if it sets in early, can it can be really difficult to overcome. What's your thoughts on that, Anthony? Yeah, I think the travelling would be the biggest thing to be honest, and just staying in a familiar climate and a familiar distance and not feeling as though you're so far away. It's also the mental effect on the players as well. If they feel they are traveling so far away for training, I don't know, maybe it just doesn't set in as serious to them or maybe you can throw them off a little bit, especially if they return so close to the season when it kicks off. But um, I'm happy to hear that it was moved to Europe um, to stay as close as possible. And I think it'll benefit the players a lot more than last season. I think it should give the players a lot more confidence going forward into this season as well. Because now when you look at it that from that point of view, it really feels as though that it was a barrier last season leading into it. So it's a barrier that we don't have this season as well. And the squad can only get better. And to be honest, we've got a lot of squad members who aren't in the World Cup. Bacardi missed out. And I think that's a real disappointment. I think he deserves it. But I don't want to go into the Argentina politics of him not making the World Cup. We've got a lot of our, a lot of our players that won't be going to the World Cup with their squad, so a lot of them can actually get a jump preseason quite early. I think that'll be a really big advantage. What do you guys think? What do you think, James? Yeah, I mean, have, having the game the preseason games in Europe makes sense, especially with being in the Champions League next year. Like the early part of the season, we're going to be traveling around Europe, so it doesn't make sense to make unnecessary trips to Asia or North America. So. Um, yeah, just on the Icardi thing, I'm kind of disappointing for him that he's not in the World Cup for him personally, but I think it's a huge benefit to Inter. I mean, because there's talk of him maybe leaving, and if he's not in the World Cup, he's fresh, he's he's not really in the limelight. So clubs mightn't be as willing to buy him, and I think we need to hold on to him. So having a lot, a lot of our players not at the World Cup, while it's disappointing, because Inter have had the most players from any club at the, in the history of the World Cup, I think. Um, yeah, I saw that on social media. Yeah, yeah, it's disappointing that they're not there. But from a selfish point of view, for Inter, I think 
it's better if our players mm. are fresher going into the season at the start of next season because we will have a lot of games for a couple of months we'll be playing twice a week so the fresher they are the better I think yeah and on top of that um, it's worth it's worth bearing in mind that some of the um, some of the journeys that you can make in the Champions League particularly in the group stages can be arduous in themselves I mean I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong uh, but you can make a you can basically have a Kazakh from a Kazakh team in the east um, in your group to an Icelandic team in the west. Now I know the likelihood is that if those if teams from those countries are present at that stage, it's likely to be the Europa League that they'd be in. But I mean, it's still a huge amount of travelling. Um, still a huge amount of travelling to do, and it's certainly not outside the realms of possibility that, for example, you could get. Um, you could get a Russian team, and you could get uh, Celtic, and the travelling. But but you know those those are good long journeys um, for players to be taking midweek. Uh, I, I I was looking in Gazetta this morning, and they said that um, they were showing the night the potential nightmare group and dream group for Inter in the Champions League. The nightmare group they said, was Bayern, Real Madrid and Tottenham. Whilst I understand from the point, the point of view of quality, it would be a nightmare. In some ways, um, the travelling to those places is, uh, you know, is very minimal. Um, and in some ways, it might not be the worst thing because I do think that, uh, that this is a re- still a rebuilding process. And even if we were to... Um, even if we were to miss out on progressing in the Champions League, if we could get third place, and I don't want to put a dampener on it, obviously, I mean, I dream of us going and winning the whole tournament. Um, but I, I think we need to sort of stay with steady feet on the ground and just accept that, you know, this is a rebuilding process um, and we're still going to have a relatively thin squad. So the travelling distance is the thing that would worry me most in the in terms of the Champions League. What would be your view on that, James? Um, yeah, that, like that's it. You can get really tough away fixtures. I think the year we won it, we had Ruben Kazan, um, which is a long, long way to go. But you're in the Champions League. I mean, if you get a tough group with the big teams, well, that's what the Champions League is all about: is playing the big teams in Europe. And I know everyone wants to progress out of the group and. I think Inter should be going in with the mentality that they can go into this Champions League and win it. I mean, like this season, we've seen Liverpool, who are not, who hadn't been in it for a couple of years, who finished fourth in England last year, get to the final by just making a couple of key signings. I mean, there's nothing stopping Inter to do that with the spine of the team to have one or two key signings, and they should be going in with the mentality that we want to win this tournament. I mean, that's Inter, a big club. They've have, they've won it three times previously, so. To me, if you get a, a, the group of death, you still should be looking to come out of that group. And personally, even if it was those three teams you mentioned, I still wouldn't be happy if we didn't get out of the group. Um, I know it might be a little bit harsh and it's a rebuilding phase, but Inter's a big, big club and their mentality should be to win it, I think. What's your take on it, Anthony? No, I kind of agree. And to be honest, I'm just so excited to be back in the competition because it brings so many other technical advantages to our club as a whole, the worldwide exposure. So if you're telling me that we got, get drawn in a group with Real Madrid that takes us to the Bernabeu, 
I say bring it on. If we get drawn in a group that takes us to Old Trafford to play Manchester United or to play Manchester City or Barcelona, I say bring it on. Let's get into back on the big stage, back in front of all the biggest fans in the world, back where we belong, back on the map. More attention, the better. And I think we'll rise to the occasion. So I'm very well aware that our squad, as thin as it may be, needs to take this competition very seriously. And I hope Spalletti next season instills that pretty much every single match in the group stage should be a final to these players to get as many points as possible if we come up against a really big team. And we really need to grind out for that one point away from home against a really top, top gun team, then we need to do it. If we really need to grind out those wins at home, we need to do it. But I just agree with James. I think I'm just really happy to be there. And I say bring on the bigger clubs, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think one of the you're talking about the technical aspects that it brings, and I think that's uh, that's key because uh, I haven't had chance to haven't had chance to read it yet. Um, but in today's uh, Gazzetta dello Sport, they're talking about the transfer campaign um, that Inter are looking at uh, going with this uh, this summer. And some of the names just jump out at you. For for example, um, they're seriously going after Kevin Strootman now. Uh, Justin Cliver from Ajax, who's uh, Patrick's son, um, is is a serious target. Matteo Politano, and it's all Gazette is also saying that we're almost certain to get Simone Verdi. Um, I just don't think you're looking at that kind of transfer campaign if we'd fail to qualify for the Champions League. Who of those names um, jumps out at you, Anthony? Well, the first thing that would jump out to me would probably be Justin Clivett, but we've only started being linked with him recently. I didn't think we were such a front-runner for him, but I'd like to take him. I've seen him play for Ajax this season, and I think he's very, very good winger overall. I think he cuts in very well, can put in good crosses, and... Overall, he's very quick as well. Uh, Simeone Verdi, I will definitely take him because he can play quite well on the right-hand side and I'm just all for Kandreva not being in the starting eleven anymore. I think we are going to sell Kandreva in this Mercato, to be honest. So I'm all for Simeone, uh, Simone Verdi coming in. Uh, to be honest, though, I'm going to say that new names isn't what really excites me. To be honest, what really excites me and what I'm really impressed with is the way Inter have wrapped up their trans, uh, have wrapped up some key transfer business and finalized these deals for Asamoa, De Vrij, and Martinez. These are three very serious transfers, and whatever comes on top of this is just a bonus. We're in a position where we've got these three transfers already in, and if we can lock down the Rafinha and Cancelo permanent moves, these, these are great, massive strides, all coming hit after hit after hit. I'm very, very impressed with it all. So before I'm jumping the gun and looking at these new transfers, I'm like very impressed with these past ones. But the Simone Verdi one, I'd say I'm, I'm very happy to see these these rumours actually have some substance because I would like to have him in the starting side. What do you guys think? Yeah, James, what's, who, who jumps out at you of those names there? Um, uh, personally, I think Strootman. I mean, I think he's been linked with Manchester United as well as Clivert is. And... That's the beauty, I suppose, of being back in the Champions League. You get linked with the big players that the big European clubs are linked with. But I personally would like to have Kevin Strootman in the team. I mean, like we do have Brozovic and Gagliardini, who for me would be 
are the starters right at the minute. But yeah, ha- I think we have to get rid of Borja Valero and Vecino's mm-hmm. kind of hit and miss. And like I think earlier on, Anthony in a, f- a few episodes ago, Anthony was questioning his mental strength in games, and I kind of have to agree with him. So I don't know if you could rely on him in big European games. I think that central midfield area is vital. Um, Clivert will be a good one to get, and I think the Vardy deal, from what I was reading on the website this morning, is pretty much a done deal, I think. They're just finalising it, so he, he'd be a good striker to have as well. But I think keeping keeping Rafinha and Cancelo is obviously a huge, huge thing now. I mean, they're, they've been two of our better players. So, and like Anthony said, with the business, the early business we've done already, it's we pretty much have the spine of the team there. It's just adding a couple of players here and there for depth. I mean, you're going to have to have a bit of squad rotation playing twice a week. So having a couple of players come in like Vardy and Strootman, I think for me would really, really give Inter a good chance to fight on both fronts in the Champions League and in Serie A. Yeah, I just think I'd, 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 echo, um, I'd echo what Anthony said there in terms of um, the business that we've already done this season. The fact that we've got De Vrij, Asamoa and Martinez um, signed up so early really kind of speaks volumes of how un-Inter-like compared to the last few seasons um, this year's transfer session you know, has, has been. There's obviously, uh, there's obviously a change, uh, there's cha- a change in the club. There's still changes that need to be made. I still say that the um, I still say that bringing out the play the players' children against Sassuolo smacked of an amateurishness um, inside inside the club. But this is the way that they've gone about their business this year is really professional, and it also means that those players are available for preseason training. It also means that they've not been they're not rushed signings. Um, you know, they're signings that the club was able to take their time with. It, it, it's really fundamental, and I think that's a huge uh, starting block for the for the rest of the summer. Um, just looking ahead at the at the next season, I think we can. I, can, I think we can build. We can build on this. We certainly need to strengthen the squad in depth. Um, I think we're already halfway to doing that with the three signings that we have. But the the key thing is to make sure that we qualify for the Champions League again next year. And that is going to require um, more options than just sort of the, the, the 12 or 13 players that have been most used this season. Um, I mean, again, it's I stress that it, to me it's a rebuilding process. And I'd be quite satisfied next year with a, even a third or fourth place finish again. Um, James, where would you see the where would where would you like to see the team finish next year? I think everyone would like to see them win it, but I mean you have to be realistic. I mean I think Napoli, the points they amassed this season would have won the league in any of the past I think four or five seasons. So like the strength of Serie A is is, is getting better. All the top teams are getting stronger every year. So I think winning it next season with having the Champions League as well might be a step too far. And I think I'd have to agree with you. Like if we can get second or third and show that we made progress and have a decent run in the Champions League, at least get to the knockout phase and maybe win the cup or something like that, I'd be more than happy with not winning a Scudetto, but definitely having a good Champions League campaign and 
I mean, it's it's about qualifying it year in, year out now. It, it can't be just that we're back this one season and we're happy we're back. This has to be Inter are back in the Champions League every season the way it used to be. That it was, it was just a given you had Champions League football. I mean, that's the bare minimum, I think, for a club of this size. Um, what do you think of it, Anthony? Yeah, I think just continuing on with that, I think it's about showing consistency. So, for example, while I'd love to win the Scudetto, that's the ultimate dream, I don't expect them to win it. But what would be great is, say, by match day 32, 33, 34, we have Champions League qualification sealed for next season already, just to consistently be performing at a top level next season where maybe we look like genuine contenders for a while. But if the going does get tough and, say, the BO and Endor isn't winning the title, I won't be sitting here sulking. But to consistently see that the team is performing well and that is genuine Champions League material, and as you said, James, getting to the knockout phase would be absolutely fantastic. But, yeah, just performing well on a genuine, consistent basis, not having that mid-season collapse where we go, what is it, eight or nine games with only one win? So that would be the main objective for next season, I say. And to, um, Anthony, I know that in terms of Rafinha and Cancelo, there's been a lot of talk in the Australian interest uh, community um, and that you've been getting a lot of feedback on on that issue. Do you want to fill us in? Yeah, so we ran a poll in uh, one of the Facebook inter-communities with about 250 votes with the vote between Rafinha and Cancelo, with who would you redeem for next season? And with about 60% saying Rafinha and 40% saying Cancelo. One comment from Daniel said he wishes we could put both, but if he'd had to choose between the two, he would choose Rafinha as he offers an element in midfield that we have not seen in a while. And he thinks that it's a little bit more difficult to replace a player like Rafinha to a player like Cancelo. It's a pretty good comment, but for me personally, I agree. And I would definitely think about more redeeming Rafinha. But with qualifying for the Champions League, I'm under the fair bit of the impression that we should be able to execute our power in redeeming both. And I, for one, would like us to make the mature alpha decision and absolutely go for it and redeem both. I think while we would benefit immensely from having Asamoah over on that left-hand side. And I think D'Ambrosio is a good right-back. I don't think he is a world-class right-back. And I would much more feel feel more comfortable with Cancelo at right-back next season. And if all Valencia are asking for is $35 million, and when you take into account the Murillo and Condogbia elements to the deal, we really should be able to tie that deal up with no questions asked now that we've qualified for the Champions League. What do you guys reckon about all that? Yeah, I I would agree. Um, I think we should be able to, with being in the Champions League now, I think we should be able to tie up both. Um, that said, I do. I think I said before, I do believe that uh, Rafinha is the key one to tie down because I think it's so hard to find an attacking midfielder, a flair midfielder, um, who fits into your fits in well into your team. It's it's very very hard to find one who who arrives and slots in straight away as Rafinha has done, and it's also very hard to find somebody who's as professional as Rafinha is. And um, that's not to say that Cancelo isn't professional, but Rafinha is just he, he's he's so focused. Um, 
it's it, to me it's incredible. Uh, he's uh, I just think that that's the one where we have to tie we have to tie him down. Um, I, what do you think, James? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. With, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd have to agree with both is on the fact that Rafinha is the more crucial one. I mean, like Cancelo is a very good defender, but I think having D'Ambrosio instead of him, it is a little bit of a loss. But having somebody else instead of Rafinha, I think, is is a huge loss. I mean, for me, he's been in that role. He's been the best player we've had since Wesley Snyder. I mean, he comes in and he fits in to the team really well. And even though he's only here on loan, like he's shown more heart and more determination than half these guys that have been here for a few seasons. So, like, it's not just his technical abilities and what he can do with the ball, it's his influence on the team as well. I think if we sign him up for the next and we have him for the next four or five years, I think he's going to be a key, key player and one of the best players in that position in the world. I can just see him growing and growing into it. And he, he seems to have a love for Inter. He seems very passionate for the team. So I think that is, I think of any signing, I think he's the most crucial one, even in regards to new, new players that we could be bringing in that we don't know yet about. I still think Rafinha is the most important signing that we make this summer. Yeah, I, I, we ran a poll on the Intershow's Twitter page um, this, uh, this past week with a few ideas of how to uh, continue the Intershow over the, over the summer months. Um, overwhelmingly, people voted in favour of a transfer news show um, so you keep posted to the to the um, Twitter page to find out more about that. Um, I, the aim is hopefully to run it every every week. Um, obviously, news dependent. If the if the if it's uh, if the news is slower, it might go to go to every fortnight. But the aim is to run it every week um, in one form or another. In terms of other news, uh, Nagatomo won his first ever um, league champions medal uh, playing for Galatasaray at the weekend. They beat uh, Gustepes for 1-0 away, which is enough for them to secure the Turkish league title. Um, and I kind of, from Nagatomo's um Reaction after the match, I kind of got the feeling um, that he's settled as well into Galatasaray and Turkey as Rafinha has into um, Inter and Italy, which I think is really positive to see because I, I always thought he's he's never been the most technically gifted of players, but he was always a, he's always a player that gave one hundred and ten percent. At times, that one hundred and ten percent wasn't quite good enough, but. I think that was more to do with his uh, his overall ability than um, than any sort of lack of heart. So I thought that that was uh, that was great to see him um, finally win uh, finally win a league championship. Uh, Parma are back in Serie A next year, which after what happened to them can only be good news. Uh, they. It's quite kind of a miracle rise um, from those dark days because they they were promoted from Serie D, Serie C, Serie B in consecutive seasons and are now back where they were considered they belong in the top flight. Um, the biggest news in terms of other inter teams that happened this week, I suppose, was 
uh, Inter Forever, the team for past players of Inter, um, played two games. They beat Chelsea uh, 4-1 in a charity match and it was dedicated to Ray Wilkins. Um, Matarazzi, Suazo and Karagounis scored the two goal, the four goals. Sorry, it's Karagounis with two goals, the others with one each. And Norwich uh, and played the Inter Forever team, which was... Um, it ended in a 2-1 win. Again, it was for charity. And Matarazzi scored again. And Poulston with an on goal. Um, Matarazzi scoring evidently more often for Inter Forever than he ever scored for the, for the first team. Um, did either of you see those games? James? Uh, yeah, I watched a little bit of the, the Norwich game um, on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Um, Matarazzi scored a very well, a very good free kick. Um, it was good to see some of the old players, but I mean, at that at that stage of career, it's pedestrian football. I was looking at thinking I could go out there and score a couple of goals, but it was good to see. And there was a good crowd at Carroll Road, um, and it was all for charity. So, um, but one one new story that you just mentioned that I I'm really happy to see um, Parma back in Serie A. I mean, when I was getting into Serie A in the nineties, I mean they had a fantastic team. I think they had the likes of Varane, uh, Buffon, Charam, Cannavaro, Crespo. I mean, it was it's really good yeah. to see them come back from the depths of Italian football back into Serie A. I think because uh, they're they're a well known club around Europe. So I think the more big clubs that are in Serie A, the, the more it'll, it'll do well internationally. So I was glad to see that. Yeah, um, and in terms of the history section, I mean, we're recording this on the 22nd of May. I think there's only one thing that we can mention in terms of history um, with the date in mind. Eight years ago, uh, James and I were were in Milan uh, in Piazza del Duomo um, to watch a, a particularly significant match, the Champions League final, which we won against uh, Bayern Munich two 0 and um, we we completed we completed the treble. I think both of us uh, and you you can you can put your you can have your feedback on this in a second, James. But I think both of us realised that. Um, Getting Champions League final tickets were, was going to be was going to be an impossibility for for us, unfortunately. So instead of going choosing to go to Madrid, we flew over to Milan um, to watch it, where we'd be guaranteed a great atmosphere. Uh, well, what's your recollections of that weekend, James? Yeah, that was absolutely fantastic. I mean, like you said, it would have been incredibly expensive. I think to go to Madrid as well, and going to Milan was a no-brainer. I mean, like those scenes in the piazza were just crazy. I think there must have been 80, 100,000 people there. Flags, the flares, and like when each goal went in, we just got swept away with the crowd moving. It was amazing. I think at one stage at the end of the night, I remember you were dancing and singing in a fountain outside some castle, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, a very funny, a very funny story. Uh, James and I obviously had been enjoying the enjoying the festivities quite a bit, 
um, word started to go around the square that uh, that the Inter team was coming back with the trophy to um, to the San Siro that night to parade it in front of everyone. James, uh, I think more sensibly than myself, said that he was uh, going back to the going back to the hotel because he was just absolutely exhausted um, after after the day that was in it because it was it was also blisteringly hot. Uh, we'd obviously been enjoying ourselves uh, a little, uh, probably a little too much, um, and I decided to walk from the centre of Milan to the San Siro, which is a fair stretch um, when you're in the best of conditions. I got to the San Siro, went into the curva, um, waiting for the players to arrive with the trophy, and uh, I fell sound asleep and woke up just as people were starting to leave because the trophy had been paraded in front of me when I'd been uh, flat out asleep in uh, in the seat in the, in the cover. Um, so hopefully they're going to win it again sometime so that I can actually see them uh, bring the trophy bring the trophy back to Milan. Uh, Anthony, what's your recollection of it? Of oh, the final? Well... I guess I can relate to you on the sleep side of things. As you know, we don't exactly get the most convenient viewing times here in Australia. But I remember the game taking place just as I was studying for my finals in my senior year of high school. And to be honest with you, I actually fell asleep in the 30th minute and had my father not dropped a coffee mug on the floor and shattered glass all over the floor in the 47th minute. I may have actually slept through that whole match, to be honest. But I jolted myself awake in the 47th minute and was able to see the rest of the match and jumping, jumping for joy and crying at the end. It was absolutely fantastic. I wasn't that old at the time. I was only 17, but I just remember being able to go to school and show off with as much pride as possible. So it was still a beautiful morning. But because it did happen at some, such a young age, once you get older, you do realise how much you've taken it for granted. So I just can't wait to see that moment again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's bringing us brings us to the end of the show. So uh, thank you, Anthony and James, for joining me again. Um, I, I'll sign off now and say Fossa Inter. Um, and as I said, James and Anthony, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks very much for having us on and Forza Inter. Forza Inter, boys. Till next time. This is the part of the show where we add on, as an extra, a translation of a well-known chant. This week, noi abbiamo l'inter nel cuore, we have inter in our hearts. It's a short but popular chant which can be heard a lot in Curva Nord. Um, This week, the show, for reasons which I'm sure you can appreciate, was longer than usual. So we've gone with a we've gone with a shorter chant this week. Longer chants will feature as we continue with the show, but we hope you enjoy it and it's coming up now. Noi abbiamo l'inter nel cuore. We have inter in our hearts and until next week, forza inter.